Welcome to Redressing Weddings. I'm Ilya Parkins. In the last episode, we explored the wedding as a spectacle, something that's really heightened for queer and trans people we found in talking with them. For this episode, we talked to two folks who've really curated what looks like a spectacle in fun and intentional ways. For them, amping up the performance of it, or at least what looks like a performance, makes it really personally meaningful. Far from spectacle being glossy and fake, we get to see how the spectacle is what allows them to bring their full selves to the event. First, we talked with Luna Freya, and for some of you gamers, that might be a familiar name, and we'll hear about that as we go. Luna Freya is a pansexual woman marrying a man. His name is Andrew. He is presumably the love of my life. (laughs) He's a big geek dork like I am. He's a great cat dad. They're still planning the wedding, but Luna Freya has already bought her outfit. She knew she would wear a dress, and she told us about the unusual sources of inspiration she brought into her appointment to try on dresses. I had never been one of those girls who always had planned out her wedding in her head and knew exactly what she wanted, and I had seen all of the shows, you know, the say yes to the dress and the this, that, and the other thing, and literally couldn't mentally picture myself in any of them. Um, so I really, I went into a bridal appointment into a bridal salon with my mother and my sister, not having any real clue what I wanted. And so I referenced the only thing that I really knew, which was weddings and video games. <laughs> so, and they said, what do you, what do you want? And I was like, well, here's some of the iconic dresses that I can think of. You know, I'm sure other girls in maybe like, oh, I want Princess Diana's dress and I was like, okay, well, here's Luna Freya from Final Fantasy XV. In trying on dresses, she ended up with something she didn't expect. My sister was actually the one who pulled it off the rack. It was this big tulle ball gown with kind of like, sort of like an asymmetric kind of handkerchief skirt. Little straps, a little string of uh, like rhinestones around the waist. I initially thought, I was like, this is going to swallow me whole because I'm not a big person. So I was very worried that it was just going to eat me i put it on and i was actually like oh actually this is i like this this is this is kind of nice i wasn't blubbering and crying and you know that there was none of that but i was just like i feel really comfortable in this i feel really pretty in this what was so interesting was the way that luna freya felt lifted out of the everyday by this dress pretty is not a thing that i get to naturally i do a lot of sort of higher, more dramatic makeup looks and stuff like on the weekend. But what you see today is me on my nine to five, which is no makeup. I have brushed my hair and I'm wearing a t-shirt and that's about it. So to, to, to put that on and to have that, hey, I feel pretty was, okay, this is, this is what I want. And it seems that the way the dress lifted her out of the everyday in terms of her feeling pretty was intensified as she started to notice more about the dress. So when I started looking at it, it actually had a couple of elements that were really similar to that dress that Luna Freya had worn in Final Fantasy XV. So she had sort of kind of like a strapless v-neck with kind of like this big asymmetric handkerchief sort of skirt. And the other thing that was kind of interesting, too, is the the dress I bought has, I don't, ruching isn't the right word for it, but it's almost like a layering effect kind of on the top. Once I started kind of seeing those similarities, 
basically my little geek brain just went, all right, let's just take this and run with it. So yes, she took it and ran with it. And this seems to be helping her find meaning and joy in planning the wedding. I may end up getting bell sleeves to go with it. I actually ordered off of Etsy because you can buy anything on Etsy. The same little tiara hairpiece that she wears. These are things that they're not going to be super obvious if you're not familiar with it. So my poor mother won't be totally scandalized. But like, I know where it comes from. Andrew is going to recognize it probably immediately. He doesn't know. He may have an inkling because I've shown him the necklace that I'm going to wear, which is a, a mimic of hers. It's not identical, but it's got a little it's got a little moon and then a little triton, which is the weapon that she wields. So he 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 might have an inkling, but I'm I'm hoping with the sleeves and the veil and the hairpiece and everything, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be I'm hoping it's going to be a, a fun surprise for him. What's so interesting here is the way this acts as a kind of game, you know, who will recognize the reference to Luna Freya? And that amps up the fun of planning. I'm also struck by the ways that Luna Freya talks about this as a gift for her partner. Like we saw in our earlier episode about wedding dresses, clothes are sometimes part of a couple's bond. Gaming is a, a, a big hobby that the two of us share together. The Final Fantasy series in general has always been really meaningful for the both of us like separately like it's something that we both grew up playing and then he was actually the one who got me to play Final Fantasy 15. The other thing that came out so clearly with Luna Freya is that merging her wedding self with this character is a way for her to bring out important aspects of herself for the occasion. I have periods of really high drama like I I have no use in my life for brown eyeshadow because if I'm going to wear eyeshadow you're going to know that I'm wearing eyeshadow. I don't, I don't do the no makeup makeup particularly well. <laughs> and I figure if there's going to be a day when I'm going to be dramatic, it's going to be my wedding day. That's sort of bleeding over from those tendencies that I already have. <laughs> it also helps her feel comfortable with what can actually be pretty daunting about a wedding, especially for women, having everybody look at you. I've never, I'm never someone who's been comfortable being the center of attention as myself but is very comfortable being the center of attention when playing a role. So I do a lot of cosplay, which Andrew has helped me with. You know, he's carried my stuff around conventions for me and helped me adjust boots. You know, he deals with me and my wigs and my hats and my petticoats and all of that. So he may not necessarily be surprised, but it's going to fit with what he knows about me as a person. <laughs> Luna Freya raises an important point here. The outfit she's going to wear is going to help her feel costumed, and through that, she's going to feel comfortable. And her partner will recognize the Luna Freya that he knows. This question of clothes that read is quite theatrical, and whether or not they're a costume, also came up when we talked to someone else, Nix, who really used the wedding in ways that seem similar on the surface. Like Kirsten's, who we heard from in the last episode, Nix's wedding was really carefully curated on Halloween. So, a day that's really associated with costume. But unlike Luna Freya, Nix didn't see what they were doing as costuming, and this is a really important difference. So let's hear a bit of Nix's story to dig into that difference. Nix is queer and non-binary. I married my husband. Um, he and I 
in a couple of weeks, we'll have been together for nine years. We got married after being together for seven years, and he's wonderful. Part of my vows, because we both wrote our vows, was um, Halloween is the best day ever, and every day is Halloween when I'm with you. Obviously, Halloween was a really important piece of this wedding. Our wedding was on Halloween 2019. We were basically just, you know, going for a queer spooky time. The The whole idea was basically just to have like the best Halloween party ever. And, you know, that's what we tried to do. For Nick's, Halloween is about a lot more than just getting dressed up. Halloween has been my favorite day ever since I was a teeny tiny child. And a thing that I didn't really realize until like last year is probably one reason that Halloween was so important to me other than just genuinely really loving the aesthetic of it was like growing up, you know, I didn't have the words that I do now for my gender or being trans or any of that. I didn't have that. But on Halloween, you could be whatever the hell you wanted. So that is a really magical thing for a trans kid, you know? So for Nix, Halloween is so important as a time of affirmation of their trans identity. But there's yet another layer to it, too. Halloween is also Samhain. It is basically the transition point into winter. It's the end of the harvest season. And it is when we enter the dark half of the year. It is quite literally like one of the biggest turning points in the whole year. And so here we were, right, entering another point in our life. And it's like, well, Halloween's already the best day ever. And Samhain. So, you know, let's just, let's do it. I mean, we'd already been together for so long, but no, it's definitely an important transitional ritual. So in a sense, Nick's dressed in line with Halloween, but this wasn't about covering over anything. They understood it as a reflection and even an amplification of who they are. I'm goth and um, I don't wear white. So I scoured the internet and I found a dress that I liked that um, had like a silhouette that I liked and looked really comfortable. It had like a high, it was black. Everything I wore was black. Um, And my whole kind of thing that I wanted to go for was like goth glam Legolas from Lord of the Rings. So it had like this pretty high, like, neckline that kind of like had a corset closure with a ribbon going like up the front of my chest and up my throat and the lace at the top of the dress was actually in the shape of a bat with its wings outstretched and so then it had kind of like a tight fitted bodice and then it flared out with a crinoline skirt and I actually got like another longer black crinoline overskirt to go over the top Nix also described the seriously amazing footwear and accessories they wore, some of which incorporated their beloved bats. They talked about the elf ears they wore, and they lovingly curated their jewelry, too. I wanted things that would match decently, so I actually designed my engagement ring and my wedding band. And I wanted all of the jewelry in my face to match. Um, I'm goth and I'm gay. So I (laughs) went for onyx and rainbow moonstone. 
For Nix, really attending carefully to their look for the wedding was important in representing themselves in ways that made them feel comfortable. A big thing for me, right, is that, well, typically when you're getting married, a whole bunch of pictures are taken. And um, being non-binary, right, I firmly believe that people should be able to do pretty much whatever the heck they want with their body and that, you know, however you express yourself is valid. Like, it's okay. Get your tattoos, get your piercings, do weird stuff to your hair, wear the clothes you want, but be like the used you that you can be, right? Thinking about me and myself and how I would like to achieve my meest, if if we will, is like, okay, well, I could go on testosterone. And sure, that could like take care of a lot of the things that make me feel the dysphoric ickies sometimes. But there's also a really high chance that would get rid of all the things that I like about my body. So it's like, cool, I could, you know, do this, this, and this. But then it would get rid of this, this, and this, and I don't want that. So I've found my happy middle ground, which is like, well, I mean, I love tattoos, and I'm already pretty heavily into body modification. And so... Just heck and cover yourself, you know, like jawline down, just do it. I'd already had quite a few tattoos at that point, but I'd had this kind of like checklist in my brain of things that I wanted to have completed before the wedding. Not necessarily like for the wedding, but for myself. I just wanted them done before the wedding. So I just, you know, wanted to be at a further point in my own like personal, physical journey or whatever the heck. But as Nix implies, and I think this is so important, this isn't just about an external look. The tattoos are closely tied to their own transition. So the wedding is a point in time to orient who they are becoming, to help manifest that self. And for sure, this is something that we can see. The tattoos were really visible with their outfit. But there was a lot more here than met the eye in what could be read as just a curated style. You can see that Nick's work toward the wedding is something important not only for their relationship, but for themselves as a queer, trans, goth person. And in that sense, what they wore wasn't something that covered them over, like we typically think of with Halloween, but something that revealed them. I don't view things like that as costumey. And that's, that's like a thing that, because it's like, for example, right, did I wear the elven ears and all of that because it was Halloween? Hell no. I would have done it regardless. One thing that I love so much is the gender presentation of the elves in Lord of the Rings, specifically the movies, because no matter their gender, they are like more on the femme side of the spectrum. For me, they are like peak gender. It's very, very good. It's not inherent in androgyny. It's like, hey, let's venture more into the femme and even the lady elves, right, they, you know, they exist kind of in this weird, like, middleness, and I really, really like that. And so when I was, when I was a child, and Lord of the Rings was being released into movie theaters, I'm like, this, this makes me happy, and I don't know why. And then I got older, and I was like, oh, because that's, like, what I want to be. Oh, typically with goth and a lot of other alternative fashion communities, or alternative communities, right, because it's not necessarily just the fashion, but a lot of things that people would consider to be costumey to us is just, like, daily wear. A lot of 
a lot of thing that alternative communities have in common is that a lot of the presentation is over the top. And it's not necessarily for the sake of theatrics or for the sake of other people. It's like for you, you know, and it's just being the used you that you can be. Both Luna Freya and Nix are talking about visually spectacular weddings, but in their different ways, each of them is using the performance of it all to speak in some pretty clear ways about themselves as people and to deepen the bonds with their partners. One theme that's been running through all of our interviews with queer, trans, and feminist folks about their weddings is that they're using the occasion to both explore and affirm who they are. Sometimes that's more subtle, and sometimes, like with these two weddings, it's crystal clear. We hope you'll join us for the next episode, when we're talking about wedding attire and gender fluidity. Redressing Weddings is produced by Ilya Parkins and Kenya Gutteridge. Editing is by Kenya Gutteridge. The podcast is supported by funding from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada. Our deep thanks go to all participants for sharing their stories.